Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to look into your word again today. And Lord, we ask that you would speak to us. Lord, your spirit has promised to be our teacher and our guide. So come, Holy Spirit, and reveal your word in the name of Christ. Amen. We look together at the Sermon on the Mount as we're going through it from Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7. And we began by looking at the eight ways that God said that, or Jesus said to his followers, that you're going to receive blessing. Those eight ways, blessed are the poor in spirit and so on. And then we went on to look at six ways that that's, that blessing can, can be diminished. They're like weeds in a garden that grow up. And uh, not that you can do much gardening right now at this time, can you? But uh, you've got beautiful flowers, but there's always weeds that grow up in between them. And the weeds come up and they circle and they choke it and they, they, can, they can cause or they take away the nutrients out of the soil. So it causes those flowers that could be so radiant and so beautiful to be uh, just diminished in their ability to grow. And we looked at these ways that Jesus said, uh, the ways in which... There are things from inside of us and outside of us that cause that diminishing of the blessing that God wants to give to each one of us. But then he says there are also five ways in which um, God or you can encourage the growth to come, like putting fertilizer down on those plants and help them to grow stronger. So firstly, through serving and then through giving, through praying through blessing of others, and lastly, that we're going to look at today, through fasting. Five ways, he says, and somebody said this, it's not possible to live, biblically Christianity, to live biblical Christianity without being committed to a lifestyle of these five things, praying, fasting, giving, serving, and blessing others. These are the things that God looks for in your life, and when he sees them, it encourages the growth of those blessings, and it gives an opportunity for God to pour out those blessings in greater measure in you and in me. But let's look at fasting today. I don't know about you, but because of this hot weather, it's like, have you been living on a diet of, of lettuce like me? Yeah, it's like, you don't feel like eating, do you, when it's hot? But this is not what fasting is all about. This is what uh, J.I. Packer said. He said it's it's part of the discipline of self-control. It's a way of sharing that we depend on God alone and draw all our strength and resources from Him. It's a way of focusing totally on Him when seeking His guidance and help and of showing that you're really in earnest in your quest. It's just one way of telling God that your priority at the moment is to be alone with Him, sorting out whatever is necessary and you have canceled the meal or the party or the concert, whatever else you have planned to do in order to fulfill that priority. Fasting is not dieting. Sometimes we stop eating food because we want to lose weight. But fasting is a spiritual discipline where we give up. Normally in the Bible it's to do with food, but you can fast other things so that you can focus your attention on God, and we'll look into it in a little bit more detail uh, this morning. Fasting is giving up on something to focus your attention on God. Usually food, but it can be anything. 
And if it's food, you need to make sure if you're on medication, you seek advice first. Because sometimes we have to take medication with food. So don't start fasting and keep taking your tablets and wondering why your body goes haywire. So you need to be careful when you fast. But in the Bible, fasting happens where people decide to give up food for a particular reason. Because they want to focus attention on God. They want to, in a sense, make room in their lives in a greater measure for the things that God wants to do. And as you look through the Bible, you see nearly every great person that you can think of in the Bible, it, it says at some point or other that they fasted. It was part of their daily life. It was part of what they did or regular lifestyle. Jesus said this in Matthew. This is the verse for today. When you fast, notice when you fast, not if you fast. Jesus is assuming this is part of our uh, ongoing lifestyle about being a believer in Jesus Christ. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you fast, he said. Now, the Jews used to fast twice a week. They used to do it uh, on Mondays and Thursdays, I think it was. But they used to fast. And the, uh, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, would make this great big deal about fasting so that everybody knew that they were fasting. They would go around saying, hey, look at me, I'm fasting. I, I put on stuff to show you that I'm fasting, to show you I'm super spiritual because I'm fasting and you're obviously not fasting, but I'm fasting because I'm on a higher level and closer to God than any of you will ever be. Jesus said, don't do that. Because who are you trying to impress? So you, if you want to impress people, then that's where your reward will come. But fasting is about you and God. Like your prayer life. Often it's associated with prayer, prayer and fasting. And it's between that relationship between you and God. He says, God sees what you're doing. You don't need to tell anybody else that you're fasting. So act normal. Go around. Wash, shave, put on regular clothes so that no one else will know what's going on. But your father will see it. But why fast? Why do that anyway? Why give up food for a day or for two days, three days, whatever it is? Why go without like that? Well, for, firstly, because fasting can be a doorway to greater intimacy with God. Luke 2, verse 7. This is where Mary and Joseph went, and they were knocking on doors because baby Jesus was on his way, and it said there was no room at the inn. In the same way in your life and my life, we fill our lives with so many things. How many times do we wake up in the day and we think, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do today. I have a completely free day. I have nothing on the agenda at all. It doesn't happen. There's this, 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 and this. Even if we think there's nothing in the diary, we've got a whole list in the back of our heads that we need to get done. Or if you're married, that your husband needs to get done, right? We always have that. And so fasting, what it does is it, 
It encourages greater intimacy with God because it gives us space in our life. We say, I'm going to give this up to make room for something else. You know, when certain things come along, we have to juggle, don't we? You know, that if you're a keen football fan and the World Cup's on right now, you have to juggle your life to make sure that you're going to be in a place where you can watch the football. Right? So I love football sometimes. But I love the World Cup and things like that. So I stuck in my diary early on when the England fixtures were going to be. I don't want to have some church meeting or other thing going on that night. Because I want to be free that night. So, so I deliberately went ahead of the schedule and I found out where the England fixtures were. And I put them in my diary. Now, I didn't see them all because I was busy sometimes. But at least I knew where they were. And if it was available... And somebody said, oh, can I see you Wednesday night? Oh, no, sorry, not Wednesday. I'm busy on Wednesday night. I've got a prior engagement, you know, because we have to do that because we're busy. And in the same way, if you want to have greater intimacy with God, then you have to take something out of your life in order to make space to do that. And one way to do that is to remove the things that we spend time doing. Remove food from your life. Open that doorway to greater intimacy. Second thing why fast is because when you fast, it reveals certain things about you, the things that hold you. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud, such a great cloud of witnesses, that's after the list of all those people of faith in Hebrews 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run the race with perseverance and so on. It reveals to you when you begin to fast, you start seeing the things that hold on to you. We are entrapped by so many different things in our lives. You give up food and your belly will start to tell you, hey, wait a minute, what's going on in here? You're missing something, something's not Something's not right. Hey, wake up, wake up, brain. What's going on? You miss two meals and your, your stomach will start to growl and it starts to rumble. You miss three meals and you start to get pain in your belly and because you, your body is saying, hey, I want food, I want food, I want food. But if you fast other things as well and, and through this process, God starts to reveal to you not just about your eating habits, but can reveal to you other things that grab a hold of you. Today, often they're electronic things. Went down into a, a pub in London one time. I was there queuing at the, the bar to, to buy some food for myself and my wife. I looked around, and there was a whole table of work people, and they were all on their phones. No one was talking to one another. They were all texting. What's the point? But, you know, as soon as there's a moment... How often do you see it in a restaurant where there's a couple sitting there and one of them says, oh, go go to the, the, the bathroom and the other one straight up with a phone, text, 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 check it. How quickly in the morning do we wake up and, oh, wonder if anybody, you know, like, but there are other things. How many of you are addicted to soaps? You have to watch your weekly one, right? There are things that that ensnare us, and if you don't watch it, you find that there's this, this pull on your life towards these things. And it's different for every single one of us. 
We can laugh about the ones that don't affect us, but the ones that do affect us, it's more difficult. But every one of us has these things that, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. My, my life revolves around this. I'm not going to miss this for whatever reason because it ensnares us. And when we fast, God starts to reveal those things in our lives that have a handle on us, whatever they are. They're not necessarily bad things either, right? They can be good things. But actually, they, they have a, their teeth into us. And God says, you know what? It's only me. It's only me. I want to be number one, not these other things. Third things... It reveals deeper things about God. In Luke 8.10, Jesus said this. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. When we fast, when fasting becomes a regular part of our spiritual discipline, you'll find that God starts to reveal things to you, give you insights when you read his word, when you ponder on the things of God that don't come any other way. You start having those knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God and he'll start speaking to you in deeper ways. Fourth, it grows humility. Psalm 35 says this, yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. Humility is recognizing our position before an all-powerful and a holy God. And when you fast, what you're saying is, Lord, you recognize your dependency upon him. Lord, I need you. I can't do these things on my own. It's you and you alone that I need in my life. And I'm going to fast and I'm going to give up something to show you how much I depend upon you and to remind myself how much I need you. Just as the people of Israel in the wilderness, every day the manna came. They couldn't collect for two days because it went bad, even though they tried. Except on the sixth day, then God allowed it for, for two days. But they, they learned through the collecting of the food every day, their dependency on God. And through, through fasting, it helps us to grow in that dependency, that humility. And it also grows in our worship. Because Romans 12 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, and viewers of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As you fast, as fasting becomes a regular exercise in your life, you'll find that your worship and your connection with God through worship can grow as well. Just some of the reasons why we should fast. But in the Bible, there are other reasons as well. Those five reasons are the, the reasons why it benefits us. But if we look through the pages of Scripture, you'll find that fasting was done for a number of different specific reasons. Firstly, it was done because the people wanted to experience greater power of God in ministry. In Mark 9, 29, this is the, the story where the father brings his son that keeps throwing himself into like epileptic fits. 
And he brings them first to the disciples, and the disciples try to cast the demon out of this boy. And the disciples can't do it, and then the father brings this young boy to Jesus. And Jesus, you remember this is the one where Jesus says, you know, um, or the man says to Jesus, uh, I believe, but help my unbelief. Do you remember that one? This is that story. And then the disciples afterwards say, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said, it's only by prayer and fasting that you can do these things. There is a, a time where fasting increases because, because it allows us to, or opens up a greater intimacy with God. Because it gets rid of some of the things in our lives and allows God to, to flow through us in greater measure. We can experience a greater degree of the power of God. Some things in life we need to address through prayer and through fasting. And it's the, the fasting as well as the prayer joined together that enables God to pour his power and bring change into those situations. In Daniel chapter 9, it talks about him. He has this vision or he's thinking about Jerusalem. And he, he hears about the vision or the, the, the message of Jeremiah that Jerusalem is going to be sacked and it's going to be done away with. And so Daniel goes into this period of prayer and fasting to ask God Explain this. What's going to happen? Is this the end of Jerusalem? And he starts wailing over Jerusalem and he starts crying and crying out to God, saying, Lord, bring a future to Jerusalem. And when he prays and he fasts, then God gives him a new prophetic revelation about the future that he writes down in the next few chapters of Daniel. It was that, that, that prayer and fasting linked together that enable God to speak into his heart and into his life and give him new insight about what's going to happen. Sometimes if we don't know the, the way forwards, we need to pray and to fast and to seek God's face and to seek God's revelation. Sometimes it's about waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. This is Anna in the temple. You remember with baby Jesus is coming, Anna and Simeon are waiting, or Anna is the prophetess, is waiting in the temple because God has promised her that she will not die until she sees the fulfillment of that promise. And so she's waiting and waiting, and it says she waits with prayer and fasting. She fasts to God and says, Lord, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so desperate to see the fulfillment of your promise that I'm going to give up on food, I'm going to fast for you. Until I see this promise fulfilled. And then Mary and Joseph come with the baby. And she sees and says, thank you, God. Sometimes it's to stop a crisis. You remember Jonah, that wonderful servant of God. Who when God says, go to Nineveh and tell them I'm gonna, I've seen their sin and I'm going to destroy them. He goes the other way because he doesn't want to go. And then you know the story, and he ends up on the banks near Nineveh, and he walks into Nineveh, and he said, in 40 days, God is going to raise this city to the ground because of your sin. And what's the response of the people? Fasting. They tear their clothes, and they fast. And God sees their humility, sees the change, sees the fasting within them, 
and says, okay, I'm not going to do it. I've seen the change in your heart and in your attitude. And their prayer, their fasting, their, the outward expression of what's going on inside of them stops the crisis. And then Jonah gets well upset because he doesn't like them and goes off and complains to God. In Esther, it's done for protection. Do you remember when Esther has to go before the king? Because, do you remember in the story, Haman, who's the king's right-hand guy, doesn't like the Jews, and he particularly doesn't like Mordecai, because Mordecai won't bow down to him. He said, I'll only bow down to the living God. And so he wants to wipe out all the Jews. And so he gets the king to pass this edict that says, we're going to wipe out all the Jews who don't bow down to the king. And Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Esther, you need to go talk to the king. And she said, I can't go talk to the king. And then she finally agrees because Mordecai presses her and says, you have to. And she said, I'll only do it if the people of Israel fast for three days, then I'll go. And so the whole of the nation of Israel fast before Esther goes to see the king. She said, I need you to fast for my protection because I'm not allowed to go and see the king and demand from him. He will kill me. But the people fast and she goes. And then they pass another edict, don't they, that they're able to defend themselves and they say, come on in. And then no one does attack them. The protection of Esther came because of the fasting of the people. In Acts 13, sometimes people fast for direction. This is before the people in Antioch, the believers in Antioch, commissioned Saul or Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13. It says they prayed, they fasted together before they made a decision. Because the decision was so, had such big ramifications for the church. They wanted to make sure from God that this is exactly what God wants them to do. And then they laid hands on Saul and Barnabas and they sent them off to go and begin their missionary work. And sometimes it's because of an encounter with God. In Matthew 9, Jesus teaches again. And let me read it to you. It says, Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. Jesus is saying, There's no need to fast when God is right in your midst. It's when you need more of the presence, more of the encounter with God. That's when you need to fast. You need more of God in your life? Then fasting is one of the ways God says is that you should use to encourage that in your life. That God will come. God will meet with you when we fast. So how do we do it? Well, first, we need to know the reason why we're fasting. There's no point just saying, okay, I'm going to give up a meal once a week. Fasting is for a reason. Generally, that reason should be to get to know God more. Lord, I want more of you in my life. I want to know you in a deeper way. 
and I'm going to fast regularly for this amount of time so that that is the outcome. I want, to know, I want you more central in my life. I want to see you more manifested throughout my life. I want to see the power of God's Spirit working in and through me in greater measure. And so we fast. And then we select a time for your fast. And I'd say begin small and increase. People often find it easiest to start with two meals. Go from lunch to lunch. So you have your lunch, skip your evening meal, your breakfast, and then come back to the next day lunch. Because then half your fast is while you're sleeping. So it's good news. But start small. Don't think I'm going to start on a 40-day fast. That's just not going to happen. But do it If you're going to do it, do it small and start increasing. Whatever it is, even if it's not meals, say, okay, I'm going to fast from this for a day. I'm going to stop doing it. We do. There's this big thing that happens in January when we give up certain things, isn't it? Or Lent, we give up certain things. God says, it's nowhere in the Bible it says that, but it says here, do that regularly. Give up these things to make more time for God, to allow God greater access into your life. Thirdly, be consistent. If you're going to fast for a day, a week, fast for a day, a week. I read in a book that it said, do it for two years. Like, be consistent. One day a week for two years. Just keep on doing it over and over again till it becomes part of your daily or your weekly cycle of journeying with God. Because what will happen is, as you do this consistently, God will reveal new things to you over a time. If you just say, I'm going to fast for one day, fine. But you will find a greater insight, a greater measure of God if you start doing it consistently week after week, month after month. God says when you fast, it should be part of our, our cycle of spiritual discipline with him. Fourthly, as he says in the word that we had today, keep it hidden as much as possible from others. Sometimes that means being flexible. Sometimes if Wednesday is your fast day, you end up having a work lunch on Wednesday, you don't go, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come because I'm fasting. Make Thursday. Be flexible with what you're doing. It's not about it being rigid in our lives, but it's about being consistent and keeping it hidden from others. They don't need to know. This is between you and God. And lastly, constantly reflect on the impact. When you fast, you don't necessarily have revelation straight away but it's gradual as it increases. When a baby has food, when we have food, we don't just think, oh, well, that's it. I've had it now. That's it. Done. Don't need to do that again. No, we do it consistently, don't we? You have breakfast, you have lunch, you have dinner. You do it consistently. Why? Because consistently it's giving you nutrients. Consistently it's building you up. Consistently It's nourishing your body. And in the same way when we fast, we do it consistently like that. Keep an account because as you do it over a longer period of time, you'll see the change in your life. And you'll see as God continues to reveal over time.
Remember, fasting is not an end in itself. Don't fast for the sake of fasting. That's called dieting. That's different. It's not a way either to seek God's favor. Fasting is not a way to kind of prove yourself to God because you want God to answer a particular prayer. So many people I've heard do these kind of things. Lord, if I do this, then you've got to answer this prayer for me. Lord, I want this, so I'm going to do this. It doesn't work that way. Fasting is about allowing God to continually transform you as a servant, as a son or a daughter of him. It's not a bargaining chip. It's part of the way we seek greater intimacy with him. In 1 Samuel 15, it says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. The people of Israel were doing all the, the things that God had told them in the law. They were doing all the sacrifices, but then they were going out and they were living however they wanted to live. God says, you think I like your sacrifices? Your sacrifices mean nothing if the rest of your life is not in order. Part of the way we do that is to fast. So think about the reasons why we do it. What is it that God is saying to you today? Maybe he's saying to you, this is something that you should be thinking about. If you want greater intimacy with him, fasting is a great way to receive that intimacy. Think about the reason why. You want more power of God in your life? You want to see things? You want protection or you want direction and say, Lord, where are you taking me? I've got this decision I need to make and I'm not sure what to do. You want an encounter with God like you haven't had before? Or maybe there's a crisis situation in your life or in the life of someone else and you want to fast on their behalf and say, Lord, I'm fasting, I'm praying because there needs to be a change in this situation. Whatever it is, come to God in humility. Five things, serving, giving, praying, blessing and fasting. Think about your own life today as we come to his table. How are you doing in those five things? Maybe this week or today, go away and read that section, chapter 6 of Matthew's gospel. Just allow that to reflect into your mind. How am I doing with these things? What is my serving like? What is my giving like? What is my praying like? How am I blessing others? For his honor and glory. And when I fast. Am I fasting? How am I fasting? What am I doing? To show and to, to open my life to greater intimacy with him. God wants us, desires us to grow in him. He's given us everything we need. He's told us how we are to do it. The question is whether we will obey and seek that greater intimacy with him which enables him to flow through us in ever greater measure. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you today. It's a hot day. 
But Lord, thank you for your presence with us. Lord, thank you for giving us these areas to work on in our lives. Lord, as we reflect on them this week, on those five areas, Lord, help us show, show a mirror to our lives that we may see clearly where we are with you. Lord, we love you and we want to grow in you. We want to be everything you want us to be. Lord, help us to do that as we learn more about the ways to do it through your word. We thank you and we praise you in the name of Christ. Amen.